0: The Silver Voices Project, which allowed for digitization and sharing of this archival audio, was made possible by a grant from the U.S. Institute of Museum and Library Services, grant number MA3019068119. The views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this audio do not necessarily represent those of the Institute of Museum and Library Services. We have the general we have the cameraman there yeah. Yeah,
1: the well that's great because i didn't know there was a print left of that that's my first picture at mgm after i left my own studio no
0: this is the cameraman yeah let's let's go back a little bit let's see where you're in on, on the volume you don't have to you don't have to talk into it too consciously i'll, I'll watch the volume here and pick it oh, up okay yeah um I think you started with oh let's start back a little early, Erwin, and, and tell us a, about how you got started in vaudeville. You're practically born on the stage. Right?
1: Well, I was born with a show, yeah. with a with a tent show, in fact. It was a one night stand in Kansas, a little town called Pickway, yeah. and the show left my mother and me there for two weeks, and then she rejoined the show. So I was born really with a show.
0: And then uh, you toured to them for about
1: 16 years, didn't you, before you went into... No, my father and mother, with their act, got into vaudeville and got to New York. And, of course, they had a makeup on me as soon as I could walk. (laughs) Father had slap shoes on me, misfit clothes, even a a bald-headed Irish wig on me. But by the time I was four years old, I was a regular member of the act. Getting a salary. Mm-hmm.
0: And how are you Buster in those The Three Keatons. And uh, how did the Buster come about?
1: The Buster, I got that f- for falling down a flight of stairs when I was six months old, and I lit it at the bottom of my f- father's partner in the show. And uh, he says, That's a Buster, and the old man says, That's a good name for him. So that's the name I got. My father's partner was Harry Houdini.
0: Oh, really? The the escape artist. Yeah,
1: the handcuff king.
0: Where did the uh, the deadpan come from?
1: That was a natural. As I grew up on the stage, the experience taught me that I was the type of comedian that if I laughed at what I did, the audience didn't. Mm -hmm. Well, um. By the time I went into pictures when I was 21, working with a straight face, sober face, was mechanical with me. Mm-hmm.
0: Then tell about, uh, tell about how you, you first got into film. This would have been
1: about 1917, wasn't it? In the spring of 1917, you can hold it down if you uh, want. vaudeville wasn't quite as good as it used to be. And I yes. went to our agent and told him I wanted to get out. And uh, said, "All right, send your folks to your summer home in Muskegon, Michigan. And I'll put you with the Schuberts." So they signed me for the at the Winter garden for the passing show in 1917. I had about ten days to wait for a rehearsal to start when I met Roscoe Arbuckle on the street on Broadway. And he says, uh, "Have you ever been in the motion picture? And I said, "I've never even been in the studio." He says, well, I'm just starting here for Joe Skank. I've left Senate and signed with Joe Skank. And he's uh, putting me up here to make pictures in the Norma Talmadge studio. He says, come on down, play a scene with me and see how you like it. He says, when are you going to shoot? And he says, I'm starting tomorrow morning. He says, all right, I'll be there. I went down, did a scene in the picture. And as long as I had a few days to spare, he carried me all the way through the picture. Then he talked to me like a Dutch uncle. Says, so see if you can get out of the winter garden. Stick with me. <laughs> so, I went, to Max Hart, and told him, and he says, "All right, you stick in pictures." I says, well, "What about the contract with Schubert? He says, "I tear it up." He says, "What's Schuber say about that?" He says he d- doesn't do anything. <laughs> he says I got too many people in the show for him to argue with me. <laughs> so that was it.
0: Then your first, uh, your first two, your first film was a 2 real? I must have been a butcher boy. The butcher boy. And about how many films did you make with Arbuckle? I'm trying
1: films? to remember. I think about fourteen.
0: Six, seven, eight, nine, two, I've got uh, titled about about twelve here. I've got a Reckless Romeo, The Rough House, His Wedding Night, Valley at Coney Island, A Country Hero, Out West, bellboy Boy, Moonshine, Night Nurse, The Cook, and The Garage. Well, I think movie that's
1: movie. it how many did you count? Twelve? Well, that's it then.
0: In other words, you would have made uh, just one film then after you came back out of the Army and
1: that was the... No, I made two. Oh, you did. The Uh, one was called Backstage and the other The Garage.
0: Backstage is the one I don't have and I'll write that in right now. Uh, Would you tell us, Buster, um, about how uh, Arbuckle operated how'd you go about doing the thing? Did you have a script or did you improvise a lot or how'd that work? No, no
1: script. We simply talked over what we were going to do and we got our... Ideas and went to work. Arbuckle was his own director, and I'd only been with him probably about three pictures when I was his assistant director. In other words, I was sitting alongside the camera when he was doing the scene. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And you came in. And he taught
1: me the cutting room also, cause he was his own cutter. Good.
0: Who was the cameraman in those days? Do you remember? His
1: name was Elgin Leslie, one remember? of the greats. He came from the Senate Studio in the first place.
2: Did
0: he do almost the entire series
1: there? Yes, yeah. all of them. He did. Then he came with me later. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, did you go on location much for these? Did you, did you well, the that
1: was right? one reason we moved out of New York. We made about six pictures in New York and then moved back out to the coast because we were too crippled and too handicapped in the East trying to do exteriors. When Those type of pictures, at least uh, 75% of all our pictures would be exteriors. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you uh, learn much about timing from Arbuckle? Or no, I had that
1: long before yeah. I came into pictures. Yeah.
0: You could carry that right over.
1: Because I did the same type of work on the stage. Yeah. The Three Keatons was a rough knockabout act. Yeah. yeah, let me see. Oh, I've got a note here that
0: says uh, that at Coney Island was the last of the Arbuckle films to be made in New York. And then there was a return to the Coast studio So that means that things like a country hero and all. That's right. And there's one called The Bellboy I noticed it says it was made at Long Beach, California. That's right. And some of these I noticed that the name Joe Keaton occurs. That That's my name? father. Mm-hmm. What sort of parts did he have?
1: Oh, well, we just put him in the pictures whenever we find something that fit him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was very good, too.
0: And I noticed that on Out West is a notation that the scenario editor was Natalie Telmich. She's a script girl in those days.
1: Well, we used to have fun with it, make her, she was secretary for the company this week, she was a, a, a bit player the next week, a script girl, the next week. it didn't make any difference, she just worked with the troupe.
0: Yeah. Do you remember any specific instance of trying to work out a situation in one of these Arbuckle comedies that gave you a lot of trouble, that you had to work at it and work at it and work at it, or do you remember Oh,
1: well, we've had that happen more than once. And about 50% of the time we finally throw the whole thing out and start from scratch.
0: <laughs> Did you ever get into trouble with any people on adjoining property or using people's estates? No. that? I noticed that one time you went to Arrowhead Hot Springs it's film Good Night Nurse. Yeah. You were working on that one? Yes. There's a print of that incidentally that's in the archives in Denmark. We're trying to get it for Eastman now. Yeah, so if we get hold of it you'll have to I see that the camera on listed list uh, is done by George Peters on that. Do you remember him? Did he
1: come in for that one job? Or? Oh, that's right. Leslie left us, uh, uh, oh, George Peters didn't start with us, another cameraman. I, we didn't get Le- Leslie until later. Until oh, later.
0: There was one caravan probably in New York, and then do you think that Peters took over That when you got out to the coast? Is that the way it might have gone?
1: Yeah, I believe that was it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And then let me see. Around um, uh, August of 19—no, oh, let's see. It was announced in April of 1918 that you were ready to go into the Army. And by about August of 1919, when you were back from France and ready to start again, I picked these items out of the, the current
2: papers. The time.
0: So tell us about making the garage. I think that was one of your favorite films. Huh?
1: The garage is one of the biggest laughing two-reelers I ever saw. Mm-hmm. It was a honey. It was a pip.
0: What was the central situation?
1: Well, Roscoe and I ran a garage. Small town. And we also had to double as dog catchers and firemen. So our one big situation in the thing was that uh, we got called out on a fire. And when we got up on top of the hill and couldn't, we are looking around for the smoke to see where the fire was. We find out it was our own garage. We just left. (laughs) And we started back for it. And then the trouble we had putting it out, of course, was your finish.
0: Uh, How fast did they used to crank the camera in those days?
1: Your comedy speed used to be 14 frames a second. Mm -hmm. Dramatic speed was 16 frames. And I believe I'm one of the first to go to normal speed when I started making my own pictures. There's only a little camera speed in probably the first two-reeler I made, and then I stopped it. From then on, I I stuck to... you legitimate 16 speed. 16 I went 16? yes, I went to sixteen standard speed.
0: No, which was unusual for comedy. Yes. That, days, yeah. Mostly they were shot faster, I get it. Mm-hmm. Now let me see. Now tell me about uh, the changeover from
1: uh, Arbuckle to uh, Metro. How did that go? <coughs> well the Arbuckle Pictures were a Paramount release. Mm-hmm. And as uh, soon as Joe Skank sold Arbuckle to Paramount I mean, uh, his contracts. They wanted to use him as the sheriff in the Roundup. It was a famous Broadway show. And they had an all-star cast and paid a lot for the <clears throat> story and everything else. And they wanted him to play a legitimate sheriff's part in it. Mm-hmm. There's a famous line in that thing called, Nobody Loves a Fat Man. Oh. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so he says, well, if Arbuckle goes for them for that, they'll keep him in feature-length pictures and try and do legitimate sh- stories with him, and not comedies, such as Brewster's Millions and shows of that type. So, so he turned the troupe over to me and set me out to making pictures of my own. Mm-hmm. Got me the old Chaplin Studio, so it became a, the Keaton Studio, and I was right next to the old Metro. Mm-hmm. Well, Marcus Lowe wanted our pictures immediately, so before I made one, he signed us. And even before I made one of my two reelers, he put me in a big featured picture that was a, a famous show in New York called uh, The Henrietta, and it starred William H. Crane and Douglas Fairbanks. This is before Fairbanks went into pictures. Mm-hmm. He even sent out the New York stage director, Winchell Smith. Uh, the, uh, John Golden was the owner of the show. Mm-hmm. So they put me in the Fairbanks part. For this big feature, mm-hmm. this is before I ever put on misfit clothes and go make a start making my own.
2: Yeah.
1: The character was called Bertie the Lamb, and he's a wall street uh, his father is a Wall Street billion millionaire multimillionaire, mm-hmm. so I had to dress with the best f- clothes that the tailors could fit me to mm-hmm. for the making of that picture. Mm-hmm. little unusual for me. <laughs>
0: I think this is Release Buster under
1: the title of Saphead. The, the Saphead was the name of it. Yeah. Then, following that, I made my first series of two reelers, and I made eight for them. On the ninth picture, I broke a leg on a studio built escalator, and that laid me up for six months. Which one was that? Was that the
0: Playhouse or the.
1: Playhouse? No, it was called The Electric House, and I, we, we uh, shelved everything I'd shot in it. And then later on, probably a year and a half or two years later, I remade the picture called The Electric House. Mm-hmm.
0: In other words, that actually goes back into uh, was first done in 1921 but not completed. And yeah. It was reshot in 1921.
1: Then I redid the whole thing later.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, uh, how did you proceed when you were working on these two reelers? Oh, I, I meant to ask you, first of all, was Arbuckle very generous with you when you were working with him? And you're, did he give you lots of... Uh, yes. Time oh, he did. If you wanted to develop some old routine, that was... He,
1: he turned you loose, yeah. because he wanted... He didn't care who got the laughs in his pictures. He wanted them in there. That's all he... Was, as long as it was funny,
2: right?
1: As long as it was good, it yeah. was in there.
0: Now, what did you do when you started on these two-reelers at
1: Metro? Did, were you writing your own scripts, or just... just well, we always, had a, we always had a scenario oh, department, yeah. and the I found that the ideal size was three men to work with you.
0: Mm -hmm. Who were they at this time?
1: They were Gene Havies, Clyde Bruckman, and a Joe Mitchell. Mm
0: -hmm. They come right straight through on that whole series.
1: Pretty near my entire career in my own studio. I had off and on uh, Bob Sherwood.
0: Oh, did he do some stuff for you? Yes. When was that, I
1: wonder? He wrote a story for me, and and, uh, I didn't do it. Oh, you didn't? No, didn't do it.
0: I was had, it suitable or what, We
1: couldn't get a finish to it.
0: Oh, I see.
1: Uh, neither could he. Uh, uh-huh. He got me in a situation that I couldn't get out of.
0: When was that approximately, do you
1: know? Oh, probably about 24 or 5, around oh, in yeah. there.
0: Because I know he, thought, he always admired your work greatly. I know he wrote about you around 1923. He said uh, that among the comedians, the undisputed leader taken the place held first by Charlie Chaplin and subsequently by Harold Lloyd, both of whom are now definitely committed to a policy of feature pictures. And then he goes on to, uh, "He describes your films as glorious examples of divine nonsense. was <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> always a great admirer
1: here. Well, it's funny, funny thing. He laid out this story where he got me trapped on top of a, a skyscraper in New York City, yeah. where the last... Uh, 25 floors were nothing but the steelwork, yeah. with nothing to get up to the top But the workman's elevator and that had broken down when I when I was up there and there was a strike called out nobody knows I was up there and I'm up there with the Architects daughter to show her the, the site from the top. Yeah. Well, that was the story yeah. But to get me down now was the problem <laughs> Well about that time they made him editor of uh, life magazine or something yeah. and and uh, he left for that job. I didn't see that man for something like fifteen years, and I was in the sitting in the lobby of the Dorchester Hotel in London, and he come walking past, and he didn't say hello or nothing. He says, "Don't worry, I'll get you down off of there." <laughs> <laughs> fifteen years later, and he went right on past as if he just seen me the day before.
0: So, uh, what you what you did for these metro true Oh, another one of
1: my riders is Bugs Bear. Oh, tell about that. Well, he had the shortest career of all. Yeah. He signed with us. We didn't know at the time he was sore at Hearst. Yeah. So he goes off, gets married, and ends up on the coast and reports to the Keaton studio to go to work. When we got flooded with telegrams, long-distance calls, says, send Bear back, W.R. Hearst. We got him from Will H. Hayes in Washington, and says bear belongs to the Hearst syndicate. Send him back. Get him out. Joe's gang says, how dare you sign up a man that's such a guy right there? So Bugs-Bear didn't even have any choice. He just wasn't allowed to work anyplace else but for Hearst. He'd give us one gag, though. He says, where'd you go on your honeymoon? And he says, oh, I went to that regular place, you know, Niagara Falls. Uh, that's a, a bride's second disappointment. <laughs>
2: Did you use it or
1: not? <laughs> no, at that time we thought we better not use it.
0: <laughs> Inadvisable. Well, tell me about how you used to work out this stuff in at Metro. Then you sat down with these three guys around the table, or did you go out and unload Oh. What'd you do? Where'd you,
1: where'd you dream them up? Oh, it's a lot to be out fishing. It's lot to be playing golf, yeah. baseball, <laughs> anything. We didn't care where we rode. Now, here's another thing, too. All the time. Uh, I started the making features uh, in 22 and uh, didn't leave my studio until 28 Mm -hmm. to go to MGM Mm -hmm. but I did my regular two pictures a year there was a spring and a fall release Mm -hmm. none of those pictures that's the general the navigator hospitality all of them there is never a script on any one of those
0: pictures (laughs) Intricate. <laughs>
1: yes. And our detail work and things like the general and hospitality and period pictures no. had to be correct. We did our own research right up there in the scenario room. We were very particular about details, costumes yeah. and backgrounds, props and things like that. And never a script because when we had what we knew was a story and had the material and the opportunities to get our high spots, we'd bring in our cameraman, our technical man who builds our sets, mm-hmm. the head electrician and the prop man. Yeah. Those boys are on weekly salary mm-hmm. with us. We didn't just hire them by the picture. They were right there. And uh, we go through this what we had in mind our things they make notes they know what's going to be built the prop man knows the proper props he's got to have and the stuff to be built the electrician knows how uh, the lights system or I mean what he needs in the way of lights and stuff like that but the time that we're ready to, to shoot there's no use having it on paper because they all know it anyhow <laughs> see, see they all know and and with us Uh, We may lay out a routine in a a nice set that we built for this, and uh, we start out in this thing, and we find out we're not not getting any place. The laughs are not; the the material is not working out the way we thought it would.
0: How could you tell that? We could could feel it. Not only
1: looking at our own rushes, but could feel it also. (laughs) Now, now in a a a broom closet or something like that, we're able to find a, 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 a very good routine. Yeah. So we shift right then and then we yeah. just devote our time on that and the yeah. thunder with that big set.
0: Yeah.
1: We didn't care about okay,
0: this
2: is in. production. Uh,
1: yeah. We didn't give a darn about that.
2: Yeah.
1: So if we were working by script, see that would throw the whole thing right out the yeah. window. Well, that would happen to us with the first and second day of shooting. Yeah. So mm-hmm.
0: you wouldn't have if you had a script. You wouldn't feel you had the freedom to, to do whatever. No. Just, whatever just occurred. No, we don't no
1: shoot by no schedule at all. Yeah. We didn't know when we started whether we was going to have the camera up five weeks or ten weeks. Yeah. And it didn't make any difference. We owned our own camera. We're not paying rent on anything. <coughs> all our people are on a week, weekly salary anyhow. So it didn't make any difference to us how long the camera's up. You yeah. just got two pictures a year to make, and that's all there is to it. Now, I'll show you what happens to you up until, I'll say, uh, uh, 20 years ago. If I were... Uh, phoned out to the production department at MGM, says, I want an insert of a man's hand coming in and picking up a book off of the desk. Yeah. Now, that's not a big lighting job. It's not a big set job. It's nothing. That cost me 20 years ago exactly $8,000 would be the cost to get that scene in the picture. So today, 20 years later, that same scene would cost about $12,000. For it didn't cost us only the price of the, f- of the film we bought. Which is two dollars and sixty-eight cents, something like that, for a roll of film. That was the difference. Mm -hmm. So if I don't work to a schedule at MGM, I wreck that studio according to their system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, Mm -hmm. is another thing that hurt. Is that we lose all chance of uh, spontaneity.
2: Yeah.
1: Ad-libbing, in other words. Because half of our scenes, for God's sakes, we only just re- talked over. We didn't actually get out there and rehearse them. Sure. We just walked through it and talked about it. And, yeah. it's, and c- we cranked that first rehearsal. Because <laughs> anything can happen, and generally did. And then we got our best sequences, that thing. Well, sometimes you use that, uh, the crank, the... Well, finish, sure. The, uh, the rehearsal. Sure. The we, film. sure, we use the rehearsal so, scene so, instead so, of the, yeah. the second take. Yeah today and ever since that especially since sound came in they were pretty strict before on rehearsing scenes until they thought the director thought they were perfect before he'd crank yeah. oh uh, with us we used to say one of the worst hardest things in the world to do in pictures is to unrehearse a scene in other words you get so mechanical yeah. mm-hmm. that uh, oh, no, no, nothing I'm seems sure. to flow in a natural way yeah. cues are picked up too sharp and uh, People's actions are just mechanical.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, now, to, to get that feeling out of it is unrehearse the scene. And we generally did that by going out and playing a couple innings of baseball or something. Come back in and step and say, what did I do then? So I don't know. Do what you think best. and that, let's Go ahead and shoot. That's unrehearsing a scene. A coffee break or something.
0: <laughs> okay, let's go back. Now. I'm going to put you back to Metro again. Uh, you're two reelers. Do you remember working uh was there any particular film that stands out to you, like, oh, The Haunted House, or The Goat, or The Playhouse, or The Boat, Did you remember especially uh, working on? One
1: week, my first two-reeler was a very big laughing picture, and the biggest one I ever made was called Hard Luck. That was it. oh, yes, yes. It's I on know. the original Metro. Uh-huh. uh When you say Metro now, uh, it didn't become Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer until 1925.
0: Yeah, but these uh, things were released through Metro.
1: It was the Metro then. It was when they merged by the Goldwyn studio, and Louis B. Mayer promoted it, that they added the two names, Mayer and Goldwyn, to the Mm -hmm. Metropolitan.
0: I noticed that uh, Eddie Klein has a... uh, Eddie Klein
1: directed uh, most of the two reelers with me, co-directed with me.
0: Did he have a hand
1: in the writing at all, too? Oh, sure, sure. Know? And
0: Elgin Leslie
1: was the cameraman most of the That's people. right.
0: Uh, do, do in
1: fact, everybody on our staff, that went for the assistant prop man, the assistant director, the, the, the cameraman. They were all yeah. gag men. You couldn't stop that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's what you wanted. We
1: got an office boy. instead. He didn't pay much attention to the office. After. He wanted to be a gag man. I meant he walked in the studio. Do
0: you remember making the boat? Oh yes. Did you
1: go on location for that or what? Oh sure, yeah. Balboa.
0: And uh, how about the playhouse? That was the one with all those exposures.
1: That's right? the uh, the playhouse.
0: Tell, tell about making that. It's,
1: uh, well, we we just set out to to, to kid Ralph Ince. Ince uh, started taking himself very seriously, and his pictures come out says uh, Ralph Ince presents Dorothy Dalton in. Uh, Fur trapping on the Canadian border, written by Ralph Ince, directed by Ralph Ince, Uh, supervised by Ralph Ince, and this is a Ralph Ince production. Uh Well, we started a picture with that, says this is a Keaton picture. Keaton presents Keaton, supervised by Keaton. (laughs) I was the cameraman, I was the electrician, (laughs) everything that there was to be, and then I set out to be the only one in the picture. And I did a minstrel first part. Yeah. I was nine times on the screen. Yeah. I was the whole orchestra.
2: <laughs>
1: nine exposures. <laughs> then I put different makeups on, and I was four, oh, four different sets of characters in the boxes. Yeah. And for a finish, I was the whole audience.
0: How many times did you appear on the screen at, at maximum?
1: Well, we set all uh, an all-time record with the nine of a minstrel first part.
0: Was that the most elaborate of those uh, early... In there that well
1: well that's this the exposure thing is a very tedious mm-hmm. very tedious
0: oh i imagine
1: but the mechanical things of a picture like the boat would hold you up longer
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you say mechanical things what do you mean well for instance i uh, built a family cruiser in the basement of my house and had to knock out the end of the house mm-hmm. to get the boat out of it. Mm-hmm. Then when I got it on the the landing cradle and launched it, she went straight to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Well, it took us three days to get that mm-hmm. launching because we kept running into bugs. She simply would not go straight down to the bottom. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: and it I, took us three days to get all the bugs out of it. Yeah. How'd you finally work it out? Did oh, I'd have to... Get pencil and paper and explain a lot of things to you. But now, here uh, this past year, when they did the Keaton story at Paramount, yeah. and they wanted that scene with Donald O'Connor playing yeah. me, I could get all the bugs out of it for them before they built it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, so they got the scene in one morning, mm-hmm. the first take.
0: Due to your experience of it. Well,
1: sure. It, yeah. it took us three w- days.
0: Wasn't there one that you made was about a prefabricated house? Well, that was one week. Yeah. It
2: was, oh, My was one week.
1: Yeah, my uncle gave me the portable house, and my aunt gave me the lot to build it on yeah. as a wedding present. Uh-huh. Only the my former rival, for the girl's hand, changed the numbers on the crates. Oh, I see. So when I put the house up, it was the darndest looking thing you ever saw. <laughs> and then for a finish, I found out I built it on the wrong lot. Oh.
0: A good many of these early reelers are among the finest things you ever made. I wish we could find more of them. Do the prints of them
1: exist at all? Some know? of them. You know? uh, none of these have ever been on television.
0: Where would they be? Do you know.
1: I Maybe don't know. i the slightest idea. I remember we had trouble. One summer, uh, Standard Lab had all our negatives and handled all our film work in the studio. And during the heat of one of our severest summers... The cooling system went out and it all of those negatives just fell apart the emulsion yeah. ran right off of them with that heat see so we lost pretty near all our negatives
2: oh,
1: so the only thing that'd be in existence would be the uh, what prints were out and hadn't been run to death yeah. and all chewed up
0: positive
1: yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I think Mel St. Clair has a director's credit on he has two
1: pictures two. with me
0: the goat
1: the and Goat and uh, the
0: Blacksmith, I guess. The Blacksmith.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, uh, I notice that uh, the credit seems to change in here. Then did you go to First National or just, just released oh, to the First Oh
1: Yes, I went after eight pictures with Metro, I released 11, First National. Then I came back to Metro to do features. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I, I In one of the early um, Film Daily Almanac, I discovered a credit for you in a film called Skirts with Fox. Is that a misprint? It must have been. Have you ever read anything like that or
1: not? No, I never heard of it before.
0: Directed by Hampton Del Roof.
1: I'll check it out. No, I had nothing to do with that.
0: Now, did you... From... Okay, how was you get that message. Go ahead. Did you prefer the series, uh, the first national series, to the metro series, or not particularly? Or did you feel that once you you hit a a high level in here that you were holding up pretty well all the way through?
1: Yeah, no, uh, let's see. Of My pets. Now, the the boat, you see, was the first national.
0: Yeah, that's right. The playhouse seems to have been the first. And that's
1: the first national.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go on to something else. Talk about making uh, oh, one of those uh, in detail a little, if you will, like the Frozen North or Daydreams or Electric House. Electric House is one I remember. The Frozen North is a good picture. Yeah. That, what was the
1: the uh, situation there? Oh, I just said I'd do it to burlesque all day, uh, Bill Hart and anybody else that ever got into the Frozen North. I mean, I was a. Uh, uh half uh, gold rush miner, uh, lumberjack, and cowboy for that.
0: <laughs> How about cops?
1: You 'Cause my opening scene in that picture, I says a uh, bunch of the boys were hooping it up at the Malamute Saloon. Showed the, uh, an Alaska saloon characters, the kid at the piano playing a ragtime tune. We put a, a man there with a beard that reached clear down to his knees. <laughs> Said without of the night with a pack on his back and we went and showed Donner Lake up outside of Truckee up in the High Sierras in the middle of winter that lake is around a mile long about a half a mile wide sets right down and surrounded by mountains and that's completely covered with snow there must have been at least three feet of snow on top of the lake and in the middle of that lake we had a New York subway exit and I came up out of that, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was they used a little of that in the county, didn't that's right. But they didn't get it as good as we
1: did because no. we shot the real thing. They had to try to <laughs> trick it in the studio.
2: The electric
0: house was a, uh, that was a really a precision job, wasn't
1: it? I think? Yeah, it was kind of tricky. Yeah. Tell me a little
0: bit about that. It seems to me that everything went wrong
1: toward the end, didn't it? Oh, it sure. Got wire, right? wires crossed so that everything went wrong. And there was For instance, I had the original gag in that picture of, uh, uh, while laying in bed you could just press a button and uh, the bathtub rolled out through a trap door alongside the bed so you just rolled out of bed into the bathtub and and it took you back into the bathroom (laughs) but of course when we went to demonstrate it for the for General Electric and a few other friends and their wives to see a household improvements thing like that the missus was taking a bath when I demonstrated
2: (laughs) it came rolling out
1: I had an electric train that came through a, ton, a hole in the wall from the pantry and from the kitchen that delivered the dinner. Flat cars had all the dishes on. Circled the table and went back. This was cute until the cat got interested and in put all her kittens on the flat cars and it came. <laughs> looked like I was ser- serving the guests cats for dinner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Didn't it come around real fast and spill the soup
1: or something? Oh, for a fit sure. <laughs> Derailed someplace. <laughs> it seemed
0: to me that that was an electric stairway. Oh yes, escalators. It flatten out, you're being chased around. Escalators.
1: And my, I got one very funny routine out of that. I tried to take a trunk upstairs. I got up on my back. You know, you bent over to carry a trunk. When the corner of the trunk. Hit the other button and reverse the stairs on me. So I walked and walked for hours with the stairs coming down, I'm going up.
0: (laughs) I remember that. You know, these things were featured in the theaters when they came around. Even though there were only two wheelers, they used to feature these
2: things sometimes. That's
1: what put us into feature length pictures. Because uh, an exhibitor, if he got one of a chaplain, a Lloyd, or one of mine, Mm -hmm. he would bill it above the feature picture he had. And, of course, we never got any uh, big stars on the bill with us. We never got any Bill Hart's, Mary Pickford's, Gloria Swanson's, or Fairbanks. Or we got the darndest stars you ever heard of. Uh, um, see. Well, your natural rentals were in, the, in those days. For instance, if he paid uh, oh, $300 rent for a two-reeler for the week, he would be paying 900 for the feature as well, long as the exhibitor was featuring us anyway we weren't getting the best of the program by doing it no. we stopped making two readers mm-hmm. and went into features
0: it seemed to me in those days every time i went to see you on saturday afternoon in LaGrange, illinois you were always on with the captain mcdonald picture
1: <laughs> conrad terrell uh, yeah. nagel i mean yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah let me see now where well, I think that the Museum of Modern Art has that. Do you remember working on Yeah. That? Tell us a little bit about that, because we'll probably get a
1: chance. Well, there's only one thing in there. There was a couple of good gags, but not, not nothing outstanding. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too good a picture. <coughs> but I did have a great little leading lady for that picture. I borrowed her from Senate, Phyllis Haver. Who
0: mm-hmm. were your leading ladies in some of these other things?
1: Well, uh, the little girl I used in those first Paramount, or uh, the uh, Metro pictures were uh, Sybil Seeley. And she was formerly with Metro, but had never f- played featured mm-hmm. parts.
0: Was she in a, almost all
1: of them? The uh, that first ones? series of uh, two-reelers. And then Virginia Fox, when I went to First National, Virginia Fox is Mrs. Daryl Zanuck.
0: Playhouse, for
1: instance? Yes. Yes.
0: And how about the tail face?
1: Who was in that? She's in that.
0: Yeah. And how about cops?
1: She's must be in it. If there's a girl in it, she's in it.
0: My wife's relations. I know Kate Price was in that. Yeah, well, character it. woman. Yeah. And who was in the Frozen North? Was there a gal in that?
1: I don't believe there was a girl in it. Probably
0: all men. How about the Except black? bit girls. How about the blacks?
1: Blacksmith. She was in. Yeah. And
0: daydreams.
1: Daydreams. I uh, used uh, Rannie Adair. Oh, she was in
0: that. Yeah. This is before she did.
1: Uh, before she did the big parade.
0: Yeah. In the electric house was there. A With
1: there? Virginia. Virginia wasn't in the boat. She
0: was
1: No, I deliberately went back and got uh, Sybil for a lead in that picture because it it was a continuation of my first reader called uh, One Week. Where I built the house. Now when I built the boat, I wanted the same leading lady. Because yeah. I had visions that time of putting them, the two pictures together for a feature.
0: Yeah. Did that ever work out? Not?
1: No, it didn't work out. No.
0: How about the love nest Who was in that one. Was Virginia in that
1: again? I don't believe there was a girl in that one. Because that was a whaling story. We are out on a whaling vessel. Oh, it
0: sounds very otherwise.
1: The name of the whaling vessel was the love nest. Oh, I see.
0: I it Nothing was, but cutthroats on <laughs> it. little vine-covered cottage is there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I meant to ask you, Buster, and I should have asked you this at the, almost at the very beginning. When you were uh, doing vaudeville, many times on the same bill, sometime during the evening, there would have been pictures, wouldn't there?
1: Uh, they opened the show sometimes, they did, or closed, most of the time they closed the show with a picture. Yeah.
0: Did you ever but those f-
1: page those page pictures page. were never over about uh, 15 minutes long. Yeah, real short. Thing. Yeah, did, short. Did,
0: you ever, were, did they interest you at that time or not? Did you ever no, we didn't pay much page attention page to, to, them?
1: to them. I can remember going back to see the first talking picture. Uh, they had a phonograph, an Edison phonograph. Uh-huh. It was an Edison invention. Yeah. And this is 1908. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Do you
0: remember anything about the content of the
1: uh, the, the the novelty didn't last overnight. It, it, too mechanical, the sound, tin panty, and uh, everything was against it. There, there weren't a success.
0: Do you remember seeing any of the Max Linder films? From yes, yes, did sure. you like his style? Enough? Yes,
1: I like Max Linder very much.
0: You did. And how about uh, later in round 19, uh, did you remember seeing many of the biograph films around, around the I country? saw
1: quite a few of them, yeah. yeah. Were
0: you impressed with those or not?
1: I wasn't impressed with motion pictures until Senate hit his stride with the Keystone Cops, uh-huh. and then I saw The Birth of a Nation. Uh-huh. From then on, I was sold. Uh-huh. I was sold from then on. I was a picture fan.
0: I'm surprised that you didn't um, attempt to work for Senate
1: in the early days, when you were first seeing these. Well, I, we made more money in vaudeville. The Senate could have paid us. When did you see Birth of Nation,
0: around 1915? Well,
1: when it out? was 1914 is when it came out. Yeah. then, of course, the next picture that caught my eye was the Senate made with Tilly's Punctured Romance, mm-hmm. which was about 1915.
0: Feature-length comedy, I think Yeah, feature-length comedy. The first, first original was put on the screen. Did you see Griffith's Intolerance? Or
1: no? Yes. What was your impression of that? Did oh, terrific.
0: Did you find the story confusing
1: with all those different... Oh, no. Stories? That part was all right, but it's, it's a beautiful production. Yeah. That was something to watch then. Mm-hmm. You weren't used to seeing big <laughs> spectacles like that.
0: No, it was not. Now, uh, let You've actually
2: discussed how it
0: came about that you went from two reelers and the feature length things. Your first feature length must have been three ages. Three ages. Tell me a little
1: bit about that. You used Wally Berry as a villain in it. No. And what I did was just tell a simple story of uh, two fellas calling on a girl, (coughs) and uh, the mother likes one suitor and the father likes the other one Mm -hmm. and then uh, fighting over the girl and different situations we could get into Mm -hmm. and finally winning her Mm -hmm. but I told us the same story in three ages Mm -hmm. I told it in the Stone Age Roman Age and modern Mm -hmm. in other words I just show us calling on the girl the two of us getting sore at each other because we were in each other's way then I went from the Stone Age the Roman age, did the same exact same, but the same people, only the setting is different and the costumes, mm-hmm. and the same thing in the modern age. So every situation we just repeated in the three different ages. Mm-hmm. That was the picture.
0: How was the picture received? Was it a, was it successful? It was
1: all right because uh, as far as story construction goes, it uh, didn't mean much to the audience, but there was enough laughs yeah. to hold up.
0: I suppose it was a good way to bridge over, too, using these three episodes, which might e- easily have been uh, two reels. I mean, well, uh, the same
1: type of material. Then I dropped it on my second picture, and the second picture was really a, a big seller called Hospitality, mm-hmm. Our Hospitality. Yeah. And there I used a story of uh, a feud in the South. and a place of the period at 1927 to take advantage of the first railroad train that had been built. That's when they just took the stagecoaches and put flanged wheels on them. Oh, and they eight had eight those si- silly-looking engines, one called the Stevenson Rocket and the DeWitt Clinton, mm-hmm. an English engine. Yeah. And uh, naturally, they're a gauge. And they weren't so fussy about laying railroad track. I mean, if it was a little unlevel, they just ignored it. they laid it over fallen trees over rocks (laughs) so I got quite a few laughs trying to ride in that railroad but when I got down south to claim my father's estate I ran into the family who had run us out of the state in the first place and uh, the old man of the outfit wouldn't let his sons or anybody shoot me while I was a guest in the house because the girl had invited me for dinner. Well, I overheard it and found out as long as I stayed in the house, I was safe. But I had a good story to tell and then rounded out swell and it was a big seller for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Then came... The
1: Navigator. No, the next picture was Sherlock Jr. Yeah. Then The Navigator.
0: Well, I'll talk about Sherlock Jr. a little bit because I think that is a simply wonderful. Film, and they've got a print of that in New York, you
1: know. The yeah. Museum. I did a lot of trick photography work in that thing.
0: That dream sequence is, I think, one of the greatest things you've ever done, Buster, ever, ever. Uh-huh. Remember working on that? Oh, yes. He dives off, uh, and, that, and that everything changes, and the seasons change That's right. and then yeah. flash into this and that. And uh, can you tell us about that uh, sequence where you... Let's see, you know, how is it? To dive right to the middle of a person or is that's a
2: right trade secret?
1: yeah <laughs> no I just did this recently of uh, on Ed Sullivan's Toast of the Town Oh, did you? I, I didn't see it. Yeah. well he uh, I put it in the Donald O'Connor stories yeah. and, and uh, they sent me east to plug the picture so naturally Sullivan had mm-hmm. me there and we built this had this set built mm-hmm. and fixed and he says it's marvelous what the trick department with the cameras can do I said, yeah, I want to show you how to do this camera trick. So I did it in front of his audience. Of course, it is no camera trick. I do it in front of the full view of the audience and a full lit stage. There's no lighting effects, no mirrors or anything. Mm-hmm. And it's really a, a great trick, and it shocks an audience. Mm-hmm. And after the show was over, Sullivan sent for me. I went up to his dressing room, and he said, So I can sleep tonight, how'd you do it?
0: <laughs>
1: I wouldn't tell him.
0: That's a trade secret. <laughs> Oh, I won't press you on that. Now tell me about the navigator.
1: <laughs> That's your favorite film. Hmm? Yeah, well, we were working on a story, the scenario department. And uh, we didn't have a good idea yet, all fishing around for something. Mm-hmm. And I had just left my technical man to Metro to Frank Lloyd. He wanted to do uh, uh, the Seahawk. Mm-hmm. And that called for about five 14th century uh, sailing vessels.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he was up and down the Pacific coast looking for those hulls that they could build up into those pirate ships. And mm-hmm. I don't know about all he had to build for that thing. But he comes, he was just gotten back in town, and he says, while I was in Frisco, I ran into an ocean liner. It's 500 feet long, a passenger ship. And they're just about to sell it for a junk.
2: Hmm.
1: says, you can have it for $25,000 and do anything you want with it. He says, this, her name's the Buford. She was very much in the press at one time because I believe she brought the duchess or something of Russia out the night before the that slaughter took place over there with the Tsar of Russia and his family so I sneaked her out of out of Russia over to the United States well we went to work right then and there and says now what could we do with an ocean liner says well we can make a dead ship out of it no lights aboard, no water running, just afloat. How could we get it afloat? Well, we set out to figure out how to do that, and to write a story around it, only to get a boy and a girl, alone, and adrift in the Pacific Ocean. And we plant the characters so that the audience knows that she does never saw a kitchen in her life, doesn't know how to boil a cup of tea. <laughs> I am the son of a very wealthy man in San Francisco, so I've been waited on all my life with valets, chauffeurs, and their private tutors and everything else. So I don't know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and set those two characters adrift in the Pacific Ocean on a dead ship. Well, that, that's the navigator, and it worked out beautifully. It certainly
0: did. There's some of the uh, some just absolutely magnificent sequences in there, like the one where. You're trying to get breakfast down there with these huge vats that are set up <laughs> to feed thousands of people. And uh, I like particularly, too, where you're trying to deal that deck of wet cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you ever do that on the stage before? Or no, no. How, how did you possibly work that out? I mean, I well, it,
1: <laughs> That seemed to come naturally. We got scared, the chains rattling and doors squeaking, because the ship was rolling so doggone much, and and no lights in the place, the, the ship became a haunted house to the girl and I. So we went out on deck to sleep, and of course we no more got wrapped up in blankets and <laughs> laid down and it started to rain, and the wind whipping the rain again, so we were drenched. We came back in the lounge of the sh- ship, soaking wet. She was so exhausted she fell asleep in a corner wrapped up in a wet blanket there was a deck of cards on the table, so I set out to play solitaire. Well, of course, I'm ringing wet, and everything I touched is wet. So I had no time. I gave that up after a short try.
0: <laughs> and then the deck chairs. That's right.
1: You always have trouble with deck chairs. <laughs> I remember finally when you got it
0: set up, the chair was in it, but then the boat began to roll, and the chair was, the deck. That's
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> Finding a dough for her, I think,
0: and her just so the thing went overboard.
1: The opening gag in that picture with me is one of the most stolen gags that was ever done on the screen. I think I knew of sometime, uh, one time, of 27 times it had been done by other companies.
2: Hmm.
1: Which one was that? It was with us, the gag was more to establish the fact that I was so, so helpless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went to call on the girl, and I came down and got in my car with a chauffeur and a footman, the footman wrapped a blanket around my knees, a big open pierce arrow, fat, and mm-hmm. drove across the street. That's all. And we got out, and we called on the girl. I asked the girl if she'd marry me, and she said no, and I come back down, and the guy opened the door for me in the car, and says, no, I think the walk will do me good. So I walked across the street with the car following me, making a U-turn. <laughs> no.
0: How about the underwater sequences? Do you have any problems with
1: that? Terrible problems with that.
0: <laughs> Tell me about
1: that. <laughs> well, we it says we'll shoot, try it, build a, a camera box, and shoot off someplace off the shores of Catalina. Mm-hmm. That's good, clear water. But when we got over there, we found out that time of the year there was a, a milky substance in the water that you couldn't see very good in. So, so the next thing is that we we Rent the tank down at Riverside, and of course, the tank isn't deep enough for us, so we'll build it up another 10 feet. Because yeah. I got to have the rear end of an ocean liner in it, the papella uh-huh. and rudder. Because in the picture, uh, we drift ashore on a cannibal island in the Pacific and spring a leak in the stuffing box. Well, it can only be fixed from the outside, and they send me down the deep sea diving outfit with the girl to pump air to me. Well, that, th- th- we thought that would work out fine, because we know that at clear water we're going to get down there. But uh, the base of a swimming pool that's built to only hold seven or eight feet of water wouldn't take 18. The bottom just went out from under. Mm-hmm. The weight of the water pushed the bottom out. Mm-hmm. So we wrecked that pool. Yeah. Had to build them a new swimming pool. It was the municipal pool down there, for God's sakes. <laughs> so then we moved to Lake Tahoe. <laughs> So I was one month up there shooting that sequence. No. No. One of my worst problems in Tahoe no. was the, the water clear so you could really see. But so cold that I could only stay down about 30 minutes at a time, no. as long as I could stay down. No. It'd go right through you. No. That's a
0: terrifying sequence where you, uh, you your, uh the helmet is Screwed on, and you discover that you've
1: got uh, the hose has been cut. No, well, no. First, you have a cigarette. Oh, I got a cigarette in my mouth. mouth.
0: That makes me so uncomfortable all the while I'm laughing. Yeah. Yeah, let me see now. What else can I do? Well, and then after that, you did Seven
2: Chances, didn't you? Yeah. You don't
0: like that one as well.
1: No, that was not a good story for me. That was bought by someone, and sold to Joe Skank without us knowing it. Mm-hmm. As a rule, Skank never knew when I was shooting or what I was shooting. Mm-hmm. He just went to the preview. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but somebody sold him this show that was done by Belasco a few years before, but he didn't tell Skank that it was a, a failure, that the show only ran in two weeks in New York. No. And he buys this thing for me, and it's no good for me at all, but he's... Paid 25000 so we said I have to do a, make a story out of it. And the only thing that saved me was that I accidentally dislodged a couple of rocks in the chase scene and they chased me down the side of a hill. Well, when we saw that at the preview and the audience sat up in their seats, they expected something yeah. for the first time in the picture. Yeah. We went and we built 1,500 different shape, size rocks and took them out on the ridge route up <laughs> and completed a sequence. That's the only thing that saved the picture.
0: Then you did uh, Go West, and we got a print of that at Eastman House. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that, about working with brown eyes and so forth. Where, where'd you shoot
1: that? You must have been out on uh, About 60 miles out of Kingman, Arizona. We were really out in mm-hmm. open country. How big a unit did you have? About how many people worked on that film? Oh, a standard. I don't know. Oh, a skeleton troop. You start counting cameramen as two, three, four cameramen. That's the assistants. Mm-hmm. Uh, electrician generally take about three men with him, because we took a generator, which takes a couple of men. Mm-hmm. Technical man takes oh, a couple of dozen. Mm-hmm. Carpenters, the prop man must take about. Four extra helpers with him. I don't know. You start counting those things. Mm-hmm. Then we house them up there. See, we take uh, tents and everything else in a cooking uh, portable kitchen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't remember how many.
0: How'd you think that that came up? What what's your reaction to it? Go
1: away? Well, I had one bad disappointment in that thing. I thought uh, I had a funny sequence when I had my cattle I turned them loose and I actually turned them loose here in Los Angeles from the Santa Fe Depot on the freight yards mm-hmm. and brought them up 7th Street to Broadway no up to spring mm-hmm. and we put cowboys off on every side street to stop people and automobiles from coming into it and then put our own cars and people in there mm-hmm. and I brought 300 head of steers mm-hmm. up that street I'd hate to ask permission to do that today
2: <laughs>
1: but then I thought by going in a store and I saw a costume place and I saw a devil's suit mm-hmm. this is red it was bulls and steers like don't like red they'll chase it
2: because
1: yeah. I was trying to lead them towards the slaughterhouse mm-hmm. I put that suit on and I thought I'd get a funny chase sequence mm-hmm and have the cows get a little too close to me and get scared, and then really put on speed trying to get away from them. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't do it with steers. Steers wouldn't chase me.
0: They didn't react to the cowboys?
1: I I actually ran and had cowboys pushing them as fast as they could go, and I fell down in front of them and let them get within about 10 feet of me before I got to my feet. Mm -hmm. But as I moved, they stopped too. They piled up on each other. They didn't mind a, a stampede at all. But they wouldn't come near me. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of hurt when you come to think that's going to be your big finished chase sequence. No.
0: You felt that it, it didn't uh, really have to, had to trick
1: it from all angles.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what did you think about the film as a whole? Did you feel it was one of Some the parts different? I liked, but as, no.
1: as a picture, uh, a gentleman, I didn't care for it.
0: Yeah then, uh, let's
1: see, Battling Butler. was 19... Battling Butler I liked. It was a good picture. I told the original story that was taken from the stage show, except that I had to add my own finish.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. I couldn't have done the finish that was in the show.
0: What was the original? Remember?
1: Well, he just finds out that he don't have to fight the champion up in the dressing room at the Madison Square Garden. and. <clears throat> And he promises the girl he'll never fight again. And of course, the girl I don't know, but what he did fight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, we knew better to do that to a motion picture audience. We couldn't promise them for seven reels that I was going to fight in a ring and then not yeah. not fight. We knew that we had to fight, so we staged the fight in the dressing room mm-hmm. yeah. with a guy who just won the, the title in the ring yeah. Yeah. by having bad blood between the fighter and myself, yeah. and it worked out swell. So
0: yeah. Then, uh, then the general, and I wish you'd expand a little on the general, too, because he's
1: got Trinidad, right? Clyde Brockman ran into this book called The Great Locomotive Chase. A situation that happened in the Civil War, and it it was a pip. It says, well, it's awful heavy for us to, to attempt, because when we got that much plot and story to tell, that means that's, uh, we're going to have a lot of film with no laughs in it. But we won't care, worries too much about it. If we can get the plot all told in that first reel, and our characters, believable characters, all planted, and then go ahead and let it roll. And every other situation is more dramatic than it is funny. Well, that was the finished picture. And uh, it, it held an audience. They were interested in it from start to finish. And there was enough laughs to satisfy. I tell doing? you one thing I was kind of proud of myself for. I made that picture in 27. so a 27 release. Mm-hmm. So I must have made it in 26. 30 years later, Walt Disney did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I guarantee you that <laughs> we had a better picture.
2: I guarantee
0: you, too. Didn't you spend an unusual amount of money on the general?
1: Uh,
0: comparatively, for a comedy or not?
1: Yes, yeah. yes, quite a bit. Mm-hmm.
0: And where, did you, where was most of that film?
1: Uh, my whole location was shot up around uh, Cottage Grove, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Because I ran in up there, not only the scenery, it was perfect for it, but all the narrow gauge railroads from those lumber camps, oh, yes. mm-hmm. and so much of the equipment because uh, we took bought engines up there and then with very little work remodeled them into Civil War engines. Mm-hmm. Then we built a passenger train and a freight train on their flat cars that they they had their rolling stock for us. So we just built box cars and and passenger coaches,
0: mm-hmm. just the,
1: uh... and all the track in the world we wanted to use already laid for us, and it looked aged, which we wanted, and and badly. You know, they don't bother keeping it looking good. They don't care no, what no. what grows around it.
0: Well, you didn't care either. Oh, I wanted it that, that way. You know, it was better for you. Did the uh, actual uh, locomotive the General appear in that? Or, or, or did you oh reproduce
1: no, that? no, we will reproduce that. Yeah. Because that original locomotive, they would never let that one out of that depot in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. It's
0: still there. Air-
1: I believe they moved it to Atlanta, Georgia, Mm -hmm. because the the record the run of the general was from uh, Atlanta to Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. That's where this chase took place. Mm
0: -hmm. How did the cannon sequence develop? The part
1: where you we found that is a is a a, an actual uh, gun of the Civil War, the first railroad gun, Mm -hmm. and we duplicated that cannon. Mm -hmm. It almost looks like a prop we invented. That's the only thing that kind of scared us when I come to use it. it says everybody's going to say, "Well, oh, they invented the prop just for it to get the gag. Yeah. But it's an actual reproduction of a railroad gun built in the Civil War. Where did you
0: see it? Where did you run across it? Did you find it in a book? Or? We, we found it. In, uh, or did you see an actual
1: thing? We never saw the actual cannon. It must be in the Smithsonian Institute.
0: Yeah. You ran across probably a picture of it or... or
1: yes, a uh, and, and uh, yeah. measurements and detail and everything else. We found it in more than one book.
0: Did you—were uh, there, there more people involved in the making of that
1: film than any brothers, all of others? Well, when it came to do the battle scenes, I hired the National Guard of Oregon. Oh. Got 500 men there, and we uh, managed to locate about 125 horses. Then, in getting the equipment up from Los Angeles, we had to have some—a lot of it made. We had to have uh, artillery pieces and uh, army saddles and stuff like that, and uniforms for both gray and blue, so I could, with 500 men up there, I could house them for a week in uh, tourist cars given to us by this Union Pacific Mm -hmm. on a siding, Mm -hmm. and put up a big tent for a mess hall, and put them in blue uniforms and bring them going from right to left and take them out, put them in gray uniforms, bring them going from left to right, <laughs> for this, and fought the war. Uh,
0: there was uh, some criticism at the time, and I'll tell you who was the, the man who mentioned it, and that was your friend, Robert Sherwood, who was uh, a little upset by the fact that you showed men being killed in a comedy. Did you see his review in life about this? Well, you like most of the film,
1: but... Well, i would be a little sensitive yeah. about that, because you've, you've had to kill people in comedies. You've done that f- for years. But as a rule, we we could help, it. we didn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Which... Uh, well, then came college. That was in... Uh, released in November of 27.
1: Yeah. And uh, what
0: did you think about
1: that one? No, I like college. Yeah.
0: Weren't you a runner
1: in that? I tried... I tried to be an athlete when I was an honor student in high school, mm-hmm. and of course, I flunked everything then, yeah. until I got into a jam, they made me cocks into the boat in order to, to make an athlete out of me.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what, was the, uh, the, what, what were some of the gags in that, do you remember Does that come to your mind when you think back over
2: it? What do you use for the
0: finale of the Oh.
1: Thing? One of my best gags in it was I was at the Coliseum doing a warm up with all the other athletes. See, no no people in the grandstand, and I'd watch a guy throw a disc and a javelin. I tried them all. I tried a high jump, but I got my two biggest laughs. As I tried to shot put, and when I reared reared back to throw the shot, it was so heavy it took me the other way. Then I I saw Bud Hauser throw throw the hammer. And that, you put your two, uh, you get two handholds on it and yeah. start turning around and throw it. Well, I made a mistake and put my hand through both those things to get a better grip on it, and then when I got spinning, I couldn't let go of it. And it took me all over the <laughs> the field with athletes running in all directions getting away from me.
0: <laughs> Where'd you film that, right out right the Coliseum. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Using USC's. Uh, or oh, oh, I had everybody in Camp including uh, Barnes, the high, the Olympic champ, pole bowler. And of course, at that time, Bud Hauser held the two records. He was shot, put, and uh, hammer. Mm-hmm.
0: Then, let me see, now we come to 1928, and that's when you made uh, Steamboat Bill Jr. That was another I book. like
1: Steamboat very yeah. much. Ernest
0: Torrance.
1: Ernest Hornets played part of my father in it. So we built the whole story around him, running the Mississippi steamboat. And we intended to have a flood, and we built on the Sacramento River three blocks of a town front and everything else, and were all prepared to bring water up and fix them so we could lower them into the, into the Sacramento River mm-hmm. to flood them. And we were all ready to go to shoot when Harry Brand, who was the studio manager at the time with me, didn't like the idea, and he went direct to Joe Skagg and says he's doing something that was uh, very bad. There's too many people affected by floods in the United States, There's lives lost and everything else, property damage, and it's not a good subject to try to make a comedy around. And it's... Yank insisted that I throw it out. I said, I've already built this my sets and our gags are worked out and the material and everything else. He says, all I could do is is change it to a cyclone. Which will take a lot of rebuilding. I said, Well that's better. Do that. Now long as he said that, and I couldn't argue him out of it. I didn't tell him that there was more people killed in the United States the past year with, with the tornadoes than, than uh, uh, any flood ever caused. <laughs> I didn't tell him that. Something like three to one. He was satisfied. I even argued with him. I said, it's funny. During the war, 1918, when guys are uh, ever, you couldn't go down through any street in the United States, you didn't find gold stars hanging in the window. Now, you can't get any more serious than the war. And Chaplin made a picture called Shoulder Arms, and it's his biggest grossing picture at that time. But that still wouldn't sway him, the fact that it's too But you
0: did shoot it with a cyclone. Sure. Then let me see. 1928 was a cameraman, and I wish you'd talk a little bit about that, Buster, because we, as I say, we have a print of that at Eastman
1: House. So that the came. cameraman camera is one of my pet pictures.
0: Okay.
1: It's the simplest story that you could find, which was always a great thing for us if we could find it. I was a tin-type cameraman down at Battery Park in New York. Ten cents a picture. And I see a crowd of people over at City Hall and I go over there to see what it is and it was uh, Gertrude Ederle had just arrived back to the United States after swimming the English Channel and she was given the key to the city by the mayor of New York and the weekly camera people were there and I saw the Hearst weekly man and a script girl with him that I got one look at and fell hook, line, and sinker. Mm -hmm. Well, immediately I says. I went down and sold my tin-type thing to a second-hand dealer and bought a second-hand motion picture camera. And, of course, I got one of the oldest models there was, a Pathé. And I went to the Hearst offices and says, hiring cameraman today? And uh, they got one look at me and my equipment and says, no. <laughs> the girl saw me make the attempt. She says, there's only one way you can do anything. You've got to go out and photograph something of interest. And if they see it and they can use the film you shoot, yeah. they'll buy it from you. And if you can do that more than once, then they'll put you on as a member of the Well, I set out to be a newsreel cameraman. And, of course, I had my problems. And for a finish, I photographed a, a new speedboat that had been invented. And my arrival was a cameraman with Hearst. He and the girl got thrown out of the boat that I was photographing. And he swam for shore to get out of the way and the boat circled her. But he swam for himself. I left my camera and pushed a rowboat out into the stream and went out and uh, ran it into the uh, speedboat It's running wild and crashed it, sunk it, and then got her. And while I'm doing it, an organ grinder's monkey that I had fallen heir to by accident yep. was cranking the camera so unbeknown to me or anybody else I turned in the stuff I would shot and I see this rescue scene <laughs> we don't know who shot it yeah. the audience knows it was the monkey that shot it because you used to get pennies for cranking the organ yeah. well there's your story now you put that on a postal card <laughs> <laughs>
0: Lester, I, I meant to ask you about this. There's one unfortunate gap in our print. Apparently, uh, the negative was, had deteriorated, and they couldn't uh, duplicate that section. It's the part where you go out for the first day, and everything goes wrong. But there's just a little bit of that left, and I think that there's a gap after the time you go out. That's a
1: shame, because some of the biggest gags are there.
0: What? Uh, tell, tell me about what was in there.
1: Well, the number one was, I think... I saw a lot of people around a Park Avenue hotel yeah. and I got him and he says, it's, it's the Admiral yeah. is coming out. Yeah. So I busted through the crowd and I photographed the Admiral going right from the main door into his limousine. Yeah. Only the mistake I made was I photographed the doorman. Oh,
2: that's right. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: That was my first yeah. error. Yeah. Then I got over to the Hudson River and got a shot of the Battleship, and then uh, a parade on Fifth Avenue, and I double exposed it by accident, so I had the battleship coming down Fifth Avenue and the parade coming down the Hudson River. Oh. I went to a launching of a some millionaire's uh, new yacht, one of the Vanderbilts, and I made a mistake and set my camera up on part of the cradle it launched the boat, so I went right I was launched with the boat. <laughs> uh, for a finish, I photographed a disappearing gun, one of those great big things that they had to come up and shot. And I, while I'm photographing one, I didn't know it, but I was right up against another one that didn't took the seat of my pants off. <laughs> <laughs> That's what,
0: nothing in that sequence. Yeah, the,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I tell there's just a little the, the part about the boat coming down the street is there. Uh, it jumps from the time that you go out and are standing in front of this hotel and all this crowd of people yeah. to the time when this footage is being shown, being projected in the projection. Yeah, oh, that's what's arrow. happened. And it's just the very end of the sequence, but you do see the boat coming down the street, and that's yeah. one of the funniest things in it, I think. But all the rest of that is missing in
1: there. Oh, yeah. well, there's an awful big laughs in there. About
0: it now, and, uh, we Let me
1: think if I can remember anything else.
0: There's a sequence in the ballpark.
1: Yeah, well, that yeah. has nothing to do with that sequence. Yeah. I go out to photograph the Yankee Stadium.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, ain't a soul there but one groundkeeper. And I says, what's the matter? Aren't the Yankees playing today? And he says, yes, yeah. in St. Louis. And with that, he went on about his work and left, and left me all alone in the Yankee Stadium. I just automatically had to pitch an inning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Come to bat, hit a home run inside the ballpark. I just did that as, as, as same as any kid dreams of being Christy Mathewson and Babe Ruth. <laughs> bad. And
0: there's that big Tong war sequence
1: in there. Yeah, well, that's what gets me into the uh, into the Hearst uh, organization, yeah. because I get some great stuff accidentally get into a Tong war in Chinatown. So I make good as a cameraman.
0: You certainly did. Then <laughs> let me see. That was the last silent film you made, wasn't it? Yeah. You made Spite, Marriage. And then what was your what what was your stunt in uh, the Hollywood Review of
1: 1929? What was your sequence
0: in that? Oh, film?
2: I just did a burlesque snake dance. You did? Because
1: every star in in Metro, MGM, was in that picture. Mm-hmm. It was their first big musical. It's The same one's got uh, Singing in the Rain.
0: For quite a while in here, you were working with uh, Eddie Sedgwick, weren't
1: you? Well, uh, Sedgwick was assigned to me as a director when I first hit the MGM studio. Mm -hmm. He stayed with me pretty near with every picture I made there.
0: You made Free and Easy and the Doughboys and Parlor Bedroom and Bath.
1: See, those are all sound pictures.
0: Yeah. And Passionate Plumber and Speak Easily and What No Beer. Yeah. I think there was one you made called Sidewalks of New York.
1: Which was the world's worst picture. it was terrible.
0: There was something that you did, I think, called an old Spanish custom. In round
1: well, that eight. was a, a cheat or two reader I did over Columbia. Oh. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you do? A, a wasn't a May Bush in that? Wasn't there a sequence, a boat sequence, or? Well, no, I'm thinking of something else. I think it. pardon. That was about when? Around 1936, would you say? Or was it earlier?
1: Oh, it uh, might have been 36, 37, 38, around in there someplace, I think.
0: Was that uh, the only two really you made at that time? Did you make oh,
1: changes? no, I made a series for them. What
0: else did you make? Do you remember the titles in
1: them? I never knew the titles because uh, New York would change them. Mm-hmm. The staff in New York named them. Mm-hmm. And they were all cheater pictures, all, all shot in about three days, as fast as you could shoot them.
0: Yeah. Did you like working in sound or not?
1: didn't bother me at all Mm-mm. in fact the mistake I made in my career that I gave up my own little independent studio and went to MGM because I would have been in my own place when sound came in mm-hmm. and I'd have done uh, we'd have worked better yeah. as an independent company mm-hmm. I couldn't complain about the help because I got some great pictures at MGM. The cameraman, despite marriage, is your last two of the silent. Then, from then on, is sound. Well, free and easy is a good picture. Doughboys was a good picture. The passionate plumber was fair. Mm-hmm. What No Beer was fair. Got a, a good picture with uh, Speak Easily. Mm-hmm. And parlor bedroom and bath.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But... We found out a long time ago that you can't have too many in the uh, you have too many in the scenario department. In other words, too many cooks. Mm-hmm. Well, I got half of MGM executives were gag men for me. Yeah. Well, too many. Mm-hmm.
0: When you got there, you got nothing.
1: Okay. Yeah, your judgment gets warped in all directions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, let me see. You're a busy
0: period Hollywood Cavalcade, and you did the Vaughan Still Pursuit Her, and you did Trevor in a Day. You did Diego, I Love you, the spirit. Long in here sometime, or was this a little bit later? Didn't you go abroad, work abroad? and, and Yeah,
1: I made uh, two pictures in Europe. I made one in France called The Champ of the de elysees and uh oh, the uh one I made in England was called In a Little Spanish Town. Yes.
0: Who directed that? Do you remember?
1: I've forgotten. The man's name co-directed with me.
0: Was that the, f- the picture that had Lupita Tavares? Because I re-
1: redid it for Columbia, uh, on a short version. Oh, I see.
0: Yes. I see. Did that, was that a picture that had Lupita Tavares in it, and Esme and
1: Percy, and people like that? Could have. I don't remember now.
0: J.H. Hoffberg? I don't remember. I don't think we got the name of the second picture, oh yes, that was the, did, uh, did you
2: make a picture in
0: Italy or in
1: Spain? Uh, I did about uh, six years ago, uh-huh. just did a short sequence in the, one of their big musicals. Oh,
0: I see,
1: that's what that one was. I don't even know what the name of the picture was or who's starring yeah. in it. Yeah, let me see,
0: then you did the, that night with you and the lovable Sunset Boulevard, you were in a sequence. In that, one, uh, yeah, I once
1: seen a bridge game.
0: Yeah. Did you have fun making that or not? <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, it was, uh, Swanson was in on that too, wasn't she? It was her
1: picture. Yeah. Sunset Boulevard.
0: And I'm coming up to Limelight. Before I ask you about Limelight, I wish you'd talk a little bit about um, old Harold Lloyd and Charlie Chaplin. You were seeing their films, I guess, through all the... Oh, I always saw their pictures. What did? Um, how did you react to their comedy? Did you admire both of them?
1: Oh yes, uh, very much.
0: Did you feel that their their particular styles are very different from your own?
1: Oh, we were three absolutely mm-hmm. separate. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: three were considered the top, you
1: know. Well, I, we've traded gags. I've traded gags with Chaplin and Lloyd both says, here's a gag, be great for you. I can't do it. It's, I mean, it's no good for me. No. So, well.
0: <laughs> Can you think of any particular, were they, the gags used in the
1: film? Oh, I've forgotten now. Yeah. it was.
0: Did you know a chaplain and line personally? Did you know
1: oh, him? sure. Been in each other's house more than once.
0: And now, uh, tell me about uh, working on Limelight and how that came about. When did you first hear about it?
1: I got a direct call from Charlie. He says, I got a sequence in the picture I'd like to have you do with me. So i when like, all right. When do want to come over a week from Saturday. Right. We'll talk about it. So I did. He was shooting. So I stayed there two weeks. Probably just incidental scenes leading up to this one thing where he's trying to do a violin solo or with a pianist accompanying him. I was the guy at the piano. And of course, everything went wrong. That's the sequence, that's all there is to it. Uh But it's the high spot of his picture for laughs. You're
2: right.
1: And I I didn't know it until here recently. His cutter, given an interview to the Hearst Papers or something, said that they had a sneak preview, and uh, Charlie didn't like all the laughs that I was getting into, so he cut out quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. So on the finished picture, I never knew the difference, see, no. until I read it. Mm-hmm. That's
0: too bad. Did you ever uh, uh, use the preview system much in your own films? Bustle? Always. You did. Tell
1: me a little bit about that. Well, uh, we used to take a, sneak a picture out of town, and uh, our, one of our main reasons for taking it out of town was that so none of the carpenters or extra people or anybody connected with studios Would be in that audience because if we had an outstanding sequence or cute gags or good gags or anything like that these people would sell it to other studios sometimes they'd sell it uh, and sometimes they'd just to get in good somebody says here'd be a good gag for you and and, you know just to get in good with a director or the studio or something like that and Mm -hmm. We ran, had that happen to us a few times. So, we, our previews, we'd take them out of Los Angeles. Go mm-hmm. to Long Beach, San Bernardino, Santa Barbara, Riverside, Santiana, mm-hmm. places like that. And we don't tell the audience they're looking at a preview.
2: Yeah.
1: See, we want a cold reaction. We'd send the print down there to the exhibitor, and he's going to have two shows that night. He runs the picture twice, mm-hmm. and, he, and he advertises. Keaton picture that's all Mm -hmm. so we were in there to see his good show and get a a normal reaction Mm -hmm. well we have never made a picture I know I never did and I know Lloyd never did and I'm sure Chaplin never did we didn't go back and set the camera up again because we uh, helped the high spots and redid the bad ones Mm -hmm. and cut dead footage out Mm -hmm. and get scenes that would connect things up for us. Mm-hmm. We always yeah. put a makeup on and set the camera back up after that first preview. Mm-hmm. And generally after the second one also. Very seldom do we only <laughs> set the camera up for after one preview.
0: Mm-hmm. How <coughs> did you start using this preview system? Did you do it with your first of your or
1: wasn't it so oh, the No, the first crack out of the box. Even first picture.
0: The
1: uh, Arbuckle buckle even the buckle in, in those days it didn't make much difference to them. They said, this is the it, and that was it. Yeah. But when it started to get a little more serious, yeah. we took advantage of the preview. Mm-hmm. But our yeah. system was not letting the audience know it, so the audience wouldn't yes us. Yeah. Well, they, the minute you get to one of the major studios, oh, I fought my head off at MGM when I went there, and find out that they ballyhooed it. So you got the audience in there. The minute it says MGM presents, the audience applauds. Yeah. And different characters come on the screen; they applauded them. They applauded the director's name. They went out of their way to laugh at things that a normal audience didn't laugh at. The yes, they beat the life right out of mm-hmm. you. Well, that uh, that hurt me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that at all. I, I couldn't stop them. Well, that's because working at a major studio, uh, all companies are assigned to a producer. Mm -hmm. Well, the producer wants to make sure that the high brass of the studio sees a good picture, even at the first preview.
2: Did
0: you ever cut a major gag clear out of the picture? Oh, yes. Yes,
1: because it didn't fit. Do
0: you remember? And did that happen in the case of the Navigator? It did.
1: Happened. Mm -hmm. I had a beautiful gag in the Navigator. I'm down trying to fix the stuffing box of that ocean liner and here's a school of fish going past and there was a big a big Jew fish Mm -hmm. was trying to get through the school of fish and he couldn't make it so I reached down there and pulled off a starfish off of a rock and let it grab my breastplate and I stepped in the middle of the school of fish and brought him to a stop and then turned like a traffic cop and brought the big fish through. And when he went through, then I turned and brought the traffic on its way again. And the gag photographed like a million bucks. It was perfect, and it was a son of a gun to do. It took us three days to get the gag. We had something like 1,200 rubber fish all around 10 inches long, and they had to be solid rubber so they wouldn't float, and, and uh, hang them all with violin string, a catgut string, and a piece of apparatus built by the Llewellyn Iron Company and sink four telegraph poles into the underwater up there to, to operate this apparatus overhead to control the school of fish. Yeah. Yeah. But the gag photographed perfect. And we previewed his picture, and not one giggle did it get. We didn't trust that preview. He says, we'll keep it in for a second if something's wrong. We kept it in for a second, and the same thing. It finally dawned on us. I had gone down there to fix that stuffing box. The girl and I both are at the mercy of cannibals off of a cannibal island. I had no license in the world to go help a, a fish go through a school of fish.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I quit what I went down to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: People were too worried about the situation.
1: Yeah. And uh also get mad at me for doing it Mm -hmm. anything else could happen to me that was all right like a lobster getting on my pants and I used his claws for a clipper for a pair of pliers and a swordfish trying to interfere with me Mm -hmm. that was all right now to to prove the gag I put the the gag in our uh, coming attraction runner we used to call them uh, runners the theater was say coming next week, mm-hmm. and they just show you flashes of a picture that was going to come. And well, I put that gag in it, and it was out and out belly
0: laugh. That's because it was out of context. With no no story. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, did uh, this didn't go at the second preview either. No. But then you it, definitely cut it out. Then we knew And how about the um, how about yeah. the general? Is there anything you pulled out? Yeah, of the <clears throat> Were there any major gags that you cut out of um, uh, the general? Do you
1: remember any cut out of that? You know? No. No, I had no no cuts to make there. About, uh the cameraman was the same situation as the other. I got uh, into that, mixed up in that tongue war down there, yeah. and because they saw me photographing, they came at me, I didn't seem to have any choice but to just leave my camera and dive out a window onto a fire escape and get away from them. Mm-hmm. And then go ahead and round out the story. We previewed it, and we thought the last reel was a good reel. And rounded out our picture with laughs and everything else. We previewed, the picture went great. And the last reel just died the death of a dog. And it dawned on us what that was. I deserted that camera. Mm -hmm. So I had to go back and remake that. Even with the trouble trying to get away from those wild Chinamen in the Tongmore, I still kept my camera. Then it was all right. It was okay.
0: How about to go west? I have an idea you might have cut out something
1: out of that. Oh, well, I told you about having trouble getting bald-faced cattle to chase me
0: that you cut out as a result or discarded because it didn't seem to work out after you filmed it or, at, or even after the preview
1: oh so <clears throat> smaller gags I've had thrown out by the dozens
0: <laughs> well how do you feel looking back on it all Buster
1: well it was a great great life no regrets sure it was
0: And if you had to say that you had to name, just, would you name the films for us that where you considered that your work was at its very peak, which are the ones that you
1: picked? Well, you've got them, the feature-length pictures, The Navigator, The General, Hospitality, Battling Butler, The Cameraman. Spite marriage is a good picture. Mm
0: -hmm. How about the two reelers? Which other ones that you
1: think of? Two reelers that is the one week, the boat, hard luck. Those were three outstanding pictures for me.
0: Those above all others. Okay. We're very great.
1: I'll wait for a rainy day, and come on, I'll give you some more.